So Pastor Chuck was supposed to preach this morning. But there is a nasty virus tearing through his family right now. And Chuck came down with it late last night, texted me in the middle of the night. I found the text this morning at 6.30 a.m. I considered taking Chuck's sermon. That's been done for me. One time in my whole time as a pastor and preacher, I, got, I had vertigo on a Sunday. I couldn't get out of bed without falling down. So Bo Bannister preached my sermon for me. So I said, send me your sermon. I'll take a look at it. I was two paragraphs in, and I said, nobody can preach this sermon but you. It's too good of a story. It's too good of a message. It's all yours. He's going to preach it next week. That's going to bump our series one week. We will roll with the punches. Um, so... What are we going to do instead? <clears throat> so after some time in prayer, it was funny, when I was in there working on, in the office this morning, Kurt walked in and said, what was the passage? This is Acts 15. He said, I've preached on that. I said, so do I. So we could have done that, but we decided not to. Uh, after some time in prayer, I sensed that what we should do is practice what I've been preaching. Um, we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord together rather than simply learning about what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord. It will be a different worship experience, but I think it will be a good one. We will do so using what is uh, maybe new for many of you, but for some of us it's not, an ancient form of prayer called Lexio Divina, which means sacred reading. We will pray the scripture this morning. We will listen to God's spirit speaking to us as we do. And we will have a time later for some of you to share what you felt God was saying to you. So from our website, on our soul training page, here's a summary of how we talk about and walk through Lexio Divina. There are several stages of Lexio, the first one being silence. Especially in our uh, informational culture, we need to take time at the beginning of something like this, and I would say take time every day to engage in a deep internal shift in the posture of our being. We, we enter into silence as a quiet preparation of our hearts for what God might want to say to us. So you, we are invited to come into God's presence to slow down, to relax, to intentionally release the chaos and noise in your mind to him and to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in this time as we engage with Scripture. Then we will allow for more silence in between each reading. There will be four readings of this passage. We will allow for silence in between. When I was in college, my minor was in broadcasting, and in my radio classes, we were told that there should never be dead air on the microphone. There should always be something happening. Unless you listen to NPR, they're quite comfortable with silence. Not so in the spiritual life. Dead air is good. Silence is good both personally and corporately. There will be silence, and we can be okay with that. And we're not going to play music underneath it. (laughs) There's just going to be silence. Even if a child happens to cry out, that's okay. You maintain your inner silence. You've all been in 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 a worship service probably where you've heard some child like hit their head on the pew, and you go, oh, here it comes. And there's just this wail, right? And I kept thinking, not that I want that to happen to a child, but I kept thinking, if that ever happens again, I'm going to stop and tell everyone, just listen. What do you hear in that cry? How do you resonate with that cry? We're going to allow whatever happens in this room to be a part of our prayer experience. So we're not going to get uptight about it. People may cough or sneeze or whatever. We're going to just sit in silence and try to become aware of God's presence. Not for long times, although I think it may feel long for some of you, 
uh, just in about a, about a minute at each time that we do it. As I said, four readings in total. Before I start, let me just give you a little background to the passage. One of the persistent challenges in the early church was the incorporation of Gentiles, non-Jews, into a religious community of Jewish people who had begun to follow Jesus, who were quite used to having their own space and their own certain particular ways of relating to God. They observed the Jewish law, the law of Moses, and they felt that if anybody, anybody wanted to be a part of their group, they needed to keep the law too. Added to this tension is the reality that there was no love lost between Jews and Gentiles. Very often, they disliked one another. It was a form of racism. But it was more than that, too. The promises made to Israel were made to the Jewish people, and they were their promises, after all. They were God's chosen people. Who were these Gentiles to think they can get in on the blessing without lining up their way of behaving and living to what we've been doing for thousands of years. So as I read the story, I'm going to give you some instructions each time, but as I read the story, I want you to sort of try to put yourself in it. Uh, if it helps to close your eyes, close your eyes. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you taste? What are the expressions on the faces of the characters who speak in the passage? What are their tones of voice? Who in the story, as you hear it, are you drawn to? Who in the story, as you hear them speak, are you repelled by? It's like a movie, but you're putting yourself into the movie. So the first time, I'm going to start the reading back at verse 1, which we did not heard, read, hear read earlier, but that's just to set the context. After that, I will read the same passage, verses 5 through 19, that we heard read a moment ago. So once again, let's begin with just a moment of silence. And then I will give you instructions on the first reading. Breathe slowly. Notice your breath. Recenter your scattered senses upon the presence of God. This first phase will be listening. <clears throat> and as I read, listen for a general sense, for a word or a phrase that stands out to you. Is there a word? Is there a phrase? Is there a scene? Is there an image from the passage that sort of stays with you or draws your attention? Be open to the quiet, the silence again. Do not feel any pressure to come up with anything, any answers. If you do sense God is drawing your attention to something, sort of make a mental note of it or write it down on your phone, type it in your phone or a piece of paper in the pew. If you'd like to read along with the passage, you can do that too. Acts chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 19 this time, and then we'll go to silence. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, 
You cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. This time, I want to invite anyone who would like to just come forward uh, to the microphones, one here, one over here, to my right and my left here on the floor there. Um, Share briefly what you may have sensed God saying to you through the passage and are praying through it. You don't have to have uh, a sermon. You don't have to know everything that God was saying. Just if you sense that God was saying something to you, to us, What you heard does not have to be profound, and no one needs to feel any pressure to share, but we should always keep in mind that something 
God may have said to you might be a word for somebody else in the room or joining us online. So after a time of sharing and hearing from one another, I will lead us in prayer, and then we will take part in communion together. So I'm just going to sit down over there, just allow uh, those of you who would like to come forward to do it. I was greatly struck by the club that I think that I'm in, that uh, the, the club of being a Christian and how inclusive that it is. Because it struck me that when the Pharisees, those who belonged to the Pharisees, said this, that Peter and James didn't say, you guys are wrong and this is why you're wrong. Okay? They, they, they considered it. And then they were still brothers. They continued to call them brothers. And when James said that from the prophets, dot, 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 and the Gentiles who bear my name, I have no idea what that means. But that happened at a time when Gentiles, nobody thought the Gentiles bore his name, and probably even the Gentiles didn't think they bore his name. So bottom line is I'm, I'm, I'm struck with the fact that my club is not so exclusive after all. Okay, so um, the first time we read it through, uh, what I noticed is sharp dispute. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to be in discussions where there's sharp disputes, a lot of, inter a lot of emotion, a lot of discomfort there. And then uh, verse 7, I noticed uh, uh, just a few minutes ago that it was after much discussion. So... Um, you can think about that in the context of a church congregational meeting. Uh, it was probably uh, uh, quite a lot of energy put into that. <clears throat> but then another thing I noticed is that God knows the heart. So that's in verse 8. Uh, and so God knows all of our hearts, my heart. And uh, he's always kind of combing through our hearts looking for uh, things that he might want to be doing. And uh, then it also talks about Gentiles who are turning to God uh, in verse 19. So people who are open to the gospel, open to the word, open to God's speaking to them in some way. Um, verse 16 talks about rebuilding David's fallen tent. Um, and again, it, it speaks of the history of Israel and how Israel had uh, gone away from the Lord, strayed from the Lord, and now God was rebuilding. Uh, but then he, the gent he's also bringing the Gentiles into this um, new building that he's making or this rebuilding project. Um, verse, verse 11, um, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ <coughs> uh, just reminded me of how much grace Jesus has for us. Uh, and then uh, talks about the remnant of men uh, who seek the Lord, may, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord. Uh, so again, there's a turning back, and hopefully in our nation today, our country, our city, our congregation, people turning back to God, uh, the remnant that are <coughs> being built up. And uh, in verse 19, they talk about not making it difficult, so we shouldn't make it difficult for people who want to come to the Lord. How can I 
not make that difficult, not be judgmental, not be uh, silent, not ignore them. Uh, so that's what I got. Mine actually, Piggy's, uh, piggyback's great off of that. When he talks about um, the yoke that not even they could bear, the people who were professional Christians, basically, I feel like that we, as a Christian church as whole, build lots of layers of impossible for people to get through, um, including ourselves, and that we do make it so difficult. And what really was laid on my heart is the LGBTQ community. It's in almost impossible to feel like you belong here. Um, and I find that to be very tragic. I'm reminded that um, we're all sinners. None of us can be perfect. We cannot carry the yoke, the yoke without faltering. But because of the grace of Jesus, we've been saved. God accepts us. He accepts us as we are. To be open to all people here as well as outside of here. Um, that he knows our hearts to be pure um, and to work toward that goal. And God will intervene to trust that. He will protect and to guide our families and sometimes without our help if we get out of the way. I'm just reminded um, how thankful I am that it was opened up to the Gentiles and not just the Jews. The phrase that kept coming back to me was purified their hearts by faith. That kept coming back to me over and over. And I think about the refiner's fire and about faith is not always in the glorious times that there's heat and that there's impurities that come bubbling up through that analogy. And so that just kept speaking to me. Um, I just kept hearing the uh, don't make it difficult for people who are turning to God, and that was just like really practical to me. Um, earlier in the passage, it had said that God knows the heart, and um, he showed that he accepted them. And it just sounded like a tremendous amount of love and grace and kindness and acceptance um, and understanding. And I just think that that is super practical like those are things that we can look inside our hearts and, and ask ourselves like can we be better at that can we be better at loving people being gracious and things like that so it's kind of convicting to me and it was it was um just really practical we don't have to make things difficult for people we want to be loving i'd like to piggyback off of um what she said and that um it's, it's very challenging, and I feel like there's an expectation to perform, which is just exhausting. So also asking ourselves um, and being accepting of ourselves and how we do things and that it may not look the same way as other people, um, but just it's okay. You don't have to perform in a certain way, and um, God loves all of us, and he didn't discriminate who he gave the Holy Spirit to. I was just, I was thinking about how, um, how we can look at this passage from uh, uh, reframing it in today's lens in our modern culture and some of the things that we come into sharp dispute about. Um, 
And, and I was thinking about sharp dispute and how, you know, I imagine tempers were high and, and emotions were, were inflamed. And um, I was thinking about just how easy it could have been in that moment for Christianity to split. For then, you know, you have two denominations. <laughs> and, um, and, and how easy it could have been for, for it all to, to end right then, right then and there. But how the early Christians managed to persevere and find a way to come together in unity despite the fact that undoubtedly there were still some of them believe that Christians should get circumcised I think we it continues in, in the other in some of the other letters and things like that too um, so despite their disagreements they still managed to come together and the church as we know continued to grow and I was just thinking about how today you know we've got all kinds of disagreements you got conservatives and progressives and you know, progressives label conservative a number of things. Conservatives label progressive a number of things. We place all kinds of burdens on each other about, well, you can't be a Christian if you don't believe this, or if you vote this way, or do this. or um, And we let, we let things, even, you know, whether important or not, we let them divide us. Um, you know, the, the Pharisees undoubtedly would have thought circumcision to be a very key issue and yet they found a way to get through a way to continue and get through and I just I think it's a lesson that we all can still take and learn today I'll go a little bit peripheral to this it said um, I can read this the church sent them this is in the verse 3 the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how Gentiles had been converted. Phoenicia and Samaria were very um, uncomfortable places for people of Jewish descent to travel. It was a very uncomfortable place for people with a different thought to travel, yet they went. They got out of their holy huddle, and they went through some real challenging territory and they had the guts to share Christ and people were converted and that's pretty cool my question is are we comfortable getting out of our holy huddle and sharing that word it also tells me we need to be prepared to share Christ can your story shall share Christ have you practiced that and it has consequences because it also said the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders of how God had done among the Gentiles through them. And to, I mean, it's kind of like faculty meetings when I was at Purdue. Nobody's silent. It's turmoil and talk and all, we like to hear ourselves talk. And just the story of Christ being shared and people coming to Christ silenced that assembly, which was in turmoil. That's powerful. Let's get out of our holy huddle. Let's be prepared to share Christ. And then afterwards, tell people about those successes because we want to hear it. It builds on itself. The phrase that kept coming to me was that he doesn't discriminate between us and them and how um, 
like like many people have said, they stayed in the room and they listened to one another and they they were faithful to to be together even in the midst of the conflict and that they were able to grow. I think that that's a, a beautiful story for us to see that we can grow in areas of discussions that are not easy, um, but if we're willing to stay in the room and, and move forward and become more like God who doesn't discriminate between us and them. Let's welcome the kids back. I think it's good for me to let my wife have the last word. <laughs> let me pray for us, okay? God, we thank you for the presence of your spirit, the gift of your word, the tales of our early sisters and brothers who wrestled with the culture in which they found themselves and the changes and the challenges, but did not despair, sought you, listened to your spirit, listened to your word, listened to one another, and moved forward. And I am sure, not without other challenges. They chose to do it because you said it. God, would you speak to us? Would you take the words that we have heard? Would you uh, continue to speak to those who perhaps didn't feel comfortable, weren't able to have the time to get up here and share? Would you continue to shape us and make us through the gift of your word, the presence of your spirit, and the gift of one another as we too seek to converse and discuss and listen to you and to one another? Give us wisdom, we pray, O God. And we do give you thanks that because of this decision in Acts chapter 15, we have been included. In Jesus' name, amen.